1: Well, let's just dive in. We, we're, we're in a little mini-series called Christmas Carols. We're in the third week, and this is not just about us sharing our favorite Christmas carol. Uh, the goal here is for us to experience the power of God, the Holy Spirit, this season through these Christmas carols. So let's just get right to it. This, today, we're going to be talking about Hark the Herald Angels Sing, and like the two previous carols that we've looked at, O, Come, o Come, Emmanuel, and joy to the world, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, is full of meaning. It's packed with theology, the message of the gospel, and it's about Jesus. And it's interesting to me that when we look at this, we see that first word, Hark, and that is not a word that we use all that often. Uh, in fact, I. Was not 100% sure, believe it or not, what the word hark meant until I studied it. And I would just challenge you if you talk about this message at all, just ask people, what does hark mean? And I guess my guess is that some people are not going to know. But basically, what hark means is pay attention. Listen And like the stories in the New Testament where Jesus told parables, Jesus would often say, to those who have ears, let them hear, right? And so be paying attention. So let's talk about the story, or the the author behind the Hark the Herald Angels Sing. It was Charles Wesley. How many, is that name somewhat familiar? Charles Wesley, a few of you. And it's probably because his brother, John Wesley, the great revivalist of England, England in the nine, or not, I said the same thing 1700s founded the Methodist Church and Charles Wesley and John Wesley were a dynamic duo for sure. It's interesting that Charles Wesley, over his lifetime, wrote over six thousand hymns. That is a lot. Remember last week, Isaac Watts wrote uh, Joy to the World. He wrote over 600. I thought that was a lot Till so I was studying for this week. I'm like, are you kidding me? That's 10 times that. And I was thinking over a 20-year period, 20 years of your life, that's one hymn a day for 20 years straight. That's a lot of writing. And you might ask, why so many hymns, Charles Wesley? Well, the main reason is because he felt compelled by the Holy Spirit to teach sound theology to those who could not read. So Charles Wesley would read scripture, he would write a poem or a, uh, a hymn, put it to music, and he would use that to share the gospel again, him and his brother were dynamic dual, but their life was not without opposition. There was tension. In fact, the Anglican Church that they belonged to was not. They were not happy with their ministry. Uh, it was unconventional. It was radical at that time. Uh, Charles Wesley and his brother John Wesley would preach to miners, and I'm not talking about those under age. I'm talking about those that would work in the mines, like coal mines and. Things. Things. And the idea is they would preach outside, outdoors. And most of all, their goal was to reach the lowest in society. And we're going to see a tie to that in Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Let's get back to the, the hymn. It barely made the Anglican Book of Common Prayers. In fact, uh, when they were selecting the hymns to put in the Anglican Book of Common Prayers in, in that time period, they needed one more and it barely got in and it never took off. It was not wildly successful till much, much later. But, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, it is undeniably a Christmas. Uh, st- uh, song. A, it has a Christmas story. It's rooted there. And it's actually rooted in directly from Luke chapter 2 and I want to encourage you to turn with me to Luke chapter 2 in your Bibles and as we get there Luke chapter 2 it's the heart of the Christmas story the first seven verses of Luke chapter 2 talks about Mary and Joseph they're heading to Bethlehem Uh, they are going to register for a census that's why they're going to Bethlehem and while they're in Bethlehem you probably know the story Mary gives birth to baby Jesus. And that is where we'll pick up the story. Verse number 8, it says this, That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid he said i bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people the savior yes the messiah the lord has been born today in bethlehem the city of david and you will recognize him by this sign you will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger verse 13 suddenly an angel was joined by a vast host of others It was just as the angel had told them. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. Thank you, God, for the Christmas story. I pray that it would go beyond head knowledge in Holy Spirit. I pray that you would just move in a powerful way this morning through the foolishness of preaching. God, we ask this, that you change us, strengthen us. In Jesus' name, amen. In Luke chapter 2, there are a few characters that we can highlight. The first are the shepherds. I want to talk about the shepherds for a moment. Charles Wesley, he put his message in the mouth of the shepherds when he wrote, Hark the Herald Angels sing." You say, well, what about the shepherds? Well, the shepherds were the lowest in society. And remember, Charles Wesley and John Wesley, they wanted to reach the lowest of the society. Uh, And what's interesting to me, there are so many questions. Why did the announcement bypass the rabbinical schools and go to the shepherds? Why did it bypass Jerusalem and go to Bethlehem, a much smaller city? And why the shepherds. Was it because Jesus was to be our shepherd, the good shepherd? Perhaps. But shepherds were the least likely to appear to for the announcement or an announcement of a king. Shepherds often would go weeks and sometimes even months without bathing. They were not popular. They were not making any big decisions. It was the ultimate unskilled laborer's The job that often were given to children. Their testimony would not even be considered in a court of law. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. And if you're an adult and still shepherding, it's a total failure, a disappointment. Everybody say disappointment for a moment. See, when we come into a season like this, often... There are disappointments that surround or that may be on the outsides uh, of our lives. And let's talk about those for a moment. Even at Christmas, maybe you feel alone. Maybe you leave a setting like this and you head home and you think, man, everyone else has real friends or family and you feel stuck alone. Or maybe it's the old memories that, were, are, that cause disappointment. Maybe someone that used to be in your life that no longer is. Or maybe it's this season, once a year, that you realize how dysfunctional your family really is. I'm just saying, sometimes that could be the case. Maybe it's joblessness. Maybe you're jobless, worried, concerned about the kids. Or you feel like you're left out. marginalized and I, i just want you to look at the shepherds they probably did not feel like their lives were all that awesome and if you're in a similar place experiencing disappointment i have good news this carol is for you this message is for you hark listen up pay attention so we'll start with the shepherds. And then there's some more characters, the angels. It starts as one and then the multitude. And I do want to say that at the Gateway Church, we do believe in angels. And today, we're not going to take a deep dive into the theology of angels. But I do want to say that Pastor Bobby, uh, he loves talking about angels. And if you wanted to chat with him uh, after service or sometime this week, I made a joke for a service that he was having a class on Tuesday night. And then he, at the end of service, he said that was a joke, and uh, I'm not sure how that translated, so I'm not going to say the joke uh, around it, but, uh, but he would love to talk with you about that, and, and the thing I want you to know for sure is that we believe in angels here at the Gateway Church, and when we read this story, we don't read it as mythology, we read it as the truth, and angels, when you look at it in the Bible, across the board, angels were created to serve God to glorify God and to accomplish His will. And it's important. They did a big service. And whenever God was doing something great, angels were always present. I would even submit that angels are always present. We don't see them, but they're there even in the ordinary day today. And it's like God, though, in Luke chapter 2 said to the angelic host, the army of heaven, he says in Luke 2, watch this. And I love that it starts with one angel. The angel, most commentaries believe that it could have been Gabriel, although it, we don't know for sure. But then Gabriel is joined in a, with a vast army a host the army of heavens in verse 13 and these were the angels who had seen creation and what did they say about the announcement of Jesus coming as the king what did they sing the song the first Christmas concert is recorded in Luke chapter 2 verse 14 glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those who With whom God is pleased. What is this? What does it mean? They're saying the greatest praise for a baby born. Pretty remarkable when you think about all that the angels had seen previously. Remember, their purpose is to glorify God. These angels had seen the glories and the wonder of God over the ages. Think about the things that the angels would have seen. All of the Old Testament Miracles. In fact, many of the angels would have been involved in those miracles. How about the glories of God in every drop of water or every flower petal or the glories of God seen when birds are chirping or the sunrise and sunset? They had seen a whole lot. But the thing that gripped me this week is that the, the angels in heaven had seen the stars and the expanse Uh, and the glory of God in that. Uh, Someone I read this week said the glory of God is actually the centrifugal force that holds everything together. And the glory of God, the angels have a front row seat and they participate in holding everything together. I want to talk about stars for a moment around this uh, idea there are approximately, according to which uh, area or what you Google, there are approximately 200 billion trillion stars in the universe. That blows your mind. Another way you could say it is that there are 200 sextillion stars in our universe. That number is so big, it's hard to get our minds around. What it is, it's 200 with 21 zeros following after. And it's so big, the expanse in the stars in our galaxy, that human beings have created instruments to see these stars. And the largest telescope in the world is in China. Let's take a quick look. Look at this, to see the expanse, to see what the angels have seen. Tucked into the mountains, massive telescope. It's interesting to me that as I was studying stars this week a little bit, there was an illustration that caught my attention in regards to not stars, but watches. And you know I'm a watch guy. I I will talk about watches. Pastor Bobby will talk about angels with you. Uh, But uh, watches and clocks. And I happen to bring my favorite clock that's in our house. It's not the most expensive clock, not even by far. In fact, I bought this clock at a garage sale for 25 cents. That's a true story. But the thing about this clock is that a couple years after I bought this clock, I found another one that was identical. I actually paid several dollars for that one, and I gave it to my daughter when she went off to college with a fresh battery, and it ticks, and she hears it every day, and this one ticks. You can hear it? Can you hear it? And it sits on my dresser, and when I hear it tick... I think about Reagan, and when she hears a tick, she thinks about home, thinks about me. So when she went to college, and now she's living in Cairo, Egypt, and by the way, in a few weeks, uh, my family, we're going to go visit her, which is going to be awesome. But, um, uh, but anyway, this clock is meaningful to me. The reason I bring this up is to illustrate with the stars and with a clock, the tick of the seconds, uh, what, when we think about billions of stars, what does that even mean? Well, let's relate it to a second. One million seconds ago, track with me, is about 11 and a half days ago. One million seconds ago is 11 and a half days ago. All, does that make sense? You're all tracking with me? You can do the math. I did it. When I heard this illustration, I confirmed that it was true. And the difference between one million seconds and one billion seconds. If you go back 1 billion seconds ago, it's not just days or months. We're talking 32 years, back to the, ni- the 1990s. True. That's the year the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air came on TV for the first time. <laughs> Isn't it a wild, the difference between millions and billions? And the point is, is that the angels have seen a lot in regards to the stars and the expanse and the glory of God and the the centrifugal force that holds it all together. And their greatest song, what we call the song of incarnation, which includes God's wisdom and his power and his mercy was this in Luke chapter two, verse 14, glory to God in highest heaven. How significant is this? Well, the lead angel, Gabriel, was about to share with the shepherds and the rest of the angels in heaven could not contain themselves. The armies of heaven burst out and had no greater song. They joined Gabriel in singing about God becoming a man. The angels would have been amazed at the fact that God himself would come. And so the angels cry out, something miraculous is happening here. The greatest moment in all of history. And Charles Wesley, he writes from the shepherd's point of view, their mouthpiece, right, about the angels. And he says, hark, listen, pay attention. Now, let's look at this great carol. It's got three verses that we're going to look at. In verse 1, I want us to read these together, and then I've got, I'll pause and we'll kind of work our way through. But let's read it together. It starts with, Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. And again, I want you to see the connection as we tra- track through this uh, carol between Luke chapter 2 and Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Let's keep on going. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners... Reconciled. If you don't know what reconciled means, it it means restoring friendly relationships. In regards to God and man there, we know that uh, God and man were separated at the original sin with Adam and Eve. There was a separation. And now with Jesus coming as a baby, he was going to reconcile God and man coming back. They would coexist in harmony because of Jesus. Let's continue, joyful, say it with me, all ye nations rise, join the triumph of the skies. The idea here is that every nation, every tribe and tongue are going to join the armies, the angels, the angelic host, and I love it. And it says, with angelic hosts proclaim, say it with me, Christ is born. In Bethlehem, hark the herald. Angels sing, Glory to the newborn King. This is a song of an announcement, right? The good news that a Savior has been born. Hark, listen, pay attention. Verse two, let's say it together Christ, by highest heaven adored, Christ, The everlasting Lord. From the angel's perspective, what they have seen, there is nothing greater. Jesus is supreme. God himself. There's no one greater. And we see that in this song. Let's continue. Late in time, behold him come, offspring of the virgin's womb. This is the Christmas story. It just laid out in song, in poem. It says, Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail incarnate deity. Let's pause there for a moment. This is huge, right? In the angels' view, what they have seen, you think about all the things in history to that point. And the incarnation where God becomes a man, Where God traded his own life for ours. He took our place. It's the gospel message. The angels are seeing this unfold. I love that. Let's say that again. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity. And then it says, pleased as man with men to dwell. Jesus our Emmanuel And we talked about Emmanuel a couple weeks ago. That means God with us. And hark the herald, angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Again, a song of announcement. God became man. And I love this second verse that it really has a more personal feel to it. How Christ came to save us from our sins. Verse 3, let's say it. Come on, with some gusto. Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Hail the Son of of righteousness. Hail is another way to say hark, right? Like, hey, pay attention. And then it says the son, S-U-N, of righteousness. And this is a play on word because we know that the son of righteousness, S-O-N, is Jesus, God's own son. And we know that Jesus is the light of the world, right? And so we continue, light and life to all he brings risen with healing in His wings. And that healing, the greatest healing of all, is the fact that Jesus, He heals, He takes away our sin, it's salvation, forgiveness. He is the light of the world, and the light brings life, new life. Amen? This is huge. Let's continue. Mild He lay His glory by... Born that man no more may die. If you were an angel in that sense, you could not even comprehend what God the Father, what Jesus was doing in that way. The angels had seen the power of God to create with the word, right, with one single word. And by the way, um, my understanding, and uh, you can verify this, is that, When Jesus spoke uh, for creation, that word is still creating, that galaxies and stars are continuing to grow and expand uh, for eternity, I believe, till the Lord returns for his church. Uh, Pretty incredible. And the angels had seen all of that and now are more amazed at the mercy Jesus shows rebellious sinners and his power to heal them, to provide salvation. It's huge. I was also, just a total side note, thinking about angels who have seen so much. And I believe that angels see the ins and outs and are are a part of our day-to-day. And if that's true, I I, I was just thinking, if you're an angel um, and you had the front row seat to my life, i think in the angels that are watching over me, i probably like, uh, that guy is just stupid. <laughs> I mean, let's just be honest. And uh, he'd probably say the same thing for you uh, most of the time. But I mean, like, this, this is crazy. And you sent your son Jesus to die for him? The angels, I mean, we they would know the intricate details, things that I would never share publicly, embarrassing things, and they still provide God service in bringing glory in and through my life. Pretty wild. But anyway, let's continue. Born to raise. Let's say it together. The sons of earth. Born to give them second birth. Again, that's Salvation. Salvation, telling of Christ's accomplishments and the power it brings. It's powerful. And then it ends with another just, uh, just huge, let's say it together. Hark the herald, angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Wow. That's the, the carol. And then I want to go back to the foundation, Luke chapter 2, just for a moment. In Luke chapter 2, what was the response? In verse 15, it says, When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, We've got to do something about this, right? They said, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened. And so they go, they see Mary and Joseph, and and of course, they go and they start sharing, and people are astonished by what the shepherds are saying. Mary keeps these things in her heart, and if you can fast forward to verse 20, look at the last verse here. It says this, The shepherds went back, though, to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. They go and see the baby, They went back to their life as normal, and they started to share the story of what had happened. They shared the greatest story ever told. And it's interesting. Only the shepherds saw the angels and then the baby in the manger. Everyone else has to hear the announcement secondhand from the shepherds. And remember, the shepherds, their testimony would not even be "...considered truthful in the court of law." How many of us would rather to hear an announcement to this magnitude from an angel rather than a shepherd? If we're honest, most of us would probably say that would be right. And church, there's something here for us this morning. Throughout history, God's primary way of speaking to people is through broken and flawed instruments just like the shepherds. The truth is, most people today hear the gospel message from someone they know, and certainly that person is flawed. Maybe a family member, and you may think, man, how in the world could God speak to me through my older brother? Don't you know how he has terrorized me? Or a friend, or maybe you heard about the gospel for the first time from an, from an annoying neighbor. Maybe you're sitting close to them now. I don't know. Don't look. And you're saying, this annoying neighbor, don't you know that their kids are out of control? How are they supposed to know the mysteries of eternity? Well, church, just because the messenger is flawed does not mean the message is flawed. Amen? And that's exactly what happened with the Christmas story, that first Christmas. Flawed, the shepherds in the New Testament It reminds me of an Old Testament story. I don't know if you've ever heard the story of Balaam's donkey, but Balaam was a prophet of God, an Old Testament prophet that was really running from God, and he's on his donkey, and there's an angel of the Lord that appears to Balaam, uh, and Balaam doesn't see it, but the donkey does, and he refuses to move forward, and Balaam, the prophet, is beating the donkey, and eventually, after a time, the Lord allowed the donkey to speak and to talk to Balaam. It's a cool story. You can look it up in Numbers chapter 22 through 24. But one pastor was saying out of the King James Version that just because the messenger is a donkey or he said an ass, doesn't mean the message isn't true. So, the message to you from the shepherds, the message from me this morning through the foolishness of preaching, the message from the person who invited you today, or where you heard the gospel first, is this. Hark. Pay attention. Listen up. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. I believe that without a shadow of a doubt, God has been pursuing you. He's been speaking to you, trying to wake you up and draw you back to himself. And if God were to speak today, if we could allow him to speak through me, I believe that God would say, you are loved more than you could ever imagine. You are different from the angels. I created you, God would say, in my own image. And yes, you're created in my image. You still have a sin nature. But because of that truth, because you have a sin nature, hark, listen up. And the question is for us this Christmas. Will you stop for a moment and listen? Will you let the rush and the stress of Christmas in the season fade away just for a second? Would you put aside for a minute your objections and just listen? See, the angels are not telling you to work harder or to be better. They're not telling you that you are not good enough. No, in fact, God would say, he would say, look, Today, there's nothing you could do to be good enough. But even so, I love you. So much so that I left heaven and did the work for you to save you. It's a gospel story. And there is nothing you need to do, nothing you can do, except hark. Listen. And receive the free gift of salvation. This morning, if you have never accepted Jesus as your personal Savior, or maybe you're away from God, you, maybe you've kind of wandered away, listen, when it comes to Christmas morning, you're not going to find Jesus under a tree. No, no, no. You find Jesus in His Word and what His Word says. And His Word says that you and I are all sinners. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. There's no one that is righteous except Jesus. And it was Jesus that makes the difference. He's the one that saves us. He's the one that paid for our penalty on the cross. And all we have to do is receive him. With everyone's head bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around, if you could keep the lights on, uh, I'd appreciate it. Oh, too late. Thanks. This morning, if you're here and you're saying, Pastor, I need that salvation. I need to get my life right with the Lord. I want you just to slip up your hand here, second service. I'm not going to embarrass you or call you out. First service, there was one young lady that gave her heart to Jesus. Is there anybody here, second service, that's responding to the salvation call on this Christmas Sunday? Anybody at all? Just lift your hand if you're online I want to just encourage you to just reach out say I need Jesus and we will follow up with you every time is there anyone in the room first or second service here okay alright if I could get your eyes back on me just for a second I don't see any hands in the room and, uh, and that's okay but I do know this that the Bible says that the angels in heaven rejoice every time one person gives their heart to Jesus. There's an eruption, a little bit like the first song on Christmas morning. And today, what we're going to do to close the service is we're going to sing the carol Hark the Herald Angels Sing. But we're going to sing it with some energy and some gusto and sing it as if the angels had just announced his birth for the first time. So I want you to stand and let's sing this great carol, this great hymn together. Hallelujah. Amen. When you came in today, you either sat on this or you moved it aside. I want everybody to have a copy in your hand. This is the Holly Jolly Christmas Experience. I want to come back to Luke chapter 2 for a moment. And I want you to understand that the shepherds, they told everyone what they had seen. And the news alert for this morning or this afternoon at this point is that we are the shepherds in the story. We are the donkey of the Old Testament. We are God's mouthpiece today. And I want to encourage you. Who could you invite? Who could you share the good news with that could join you this Christmas for the Christmas, for the Holly Jolly Christmas experience on Wednesday night. Now, I'm going to read something from uh, a paraphrase. This is the book of Proverbs, Amplified and Applied by Dick Brogdon. He is one of our missionaries. Uh, Jessica and I have been reading this together, and uh, it, he takes every verse and kind of writes a little story about it or writes a little encouragement about it and in in Chapter 11, Proverbs 11, verse 30. I want you to hold this card. You can even hold it to your heart if you want. And I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to think about the words that Dick Brogdon says as we close, finally close. This is the close close this morning. This is what he says. He says, the wisest thing you can do in your life is to win souls And grow your own spiritual tree. The true riches of this world and beyond are disciples. The universe and timeless mandate is for us to make disciples. The wise compete for souls, not with each other, but with the powers of darkness. Fools do not fight for souls. If you are not fighting for souls or fighting to make disciples, you have lost the plot. You have lost the path of wisdom. Our legacy will be judged on our spiritual tree in the courts of heaven, on whether we made disciples that made disciples that made disciples. Let me get your eyes on me just for one moment. If you know Dick Brogdon or have heard of him, that's classic Dick Brogdon right in your face. But the truth is, we as God's people, if you have Jesus in your heart, the greatest news, the greatest story ever told needs to be on our lips. And I'm praying that as we close today, as we head into Christmas week and all the hustle and bustle, that we would reach out. Pastor Jamie asked for you to invite five. You can do more than that for sure. But this morning, we are inviting you to be a part of a gospel story and make a difference in somebody's life. Pastor Bobby, would you close us in prayer? And then we'll be dismissed today.
0: Uh, Dear Jesus, we just thank you for what you're doing in this place, what you're doing in us, and just the the beauty of Christmas songs, and just like Charles Wesley, something resonates in my heart as well, Uh, the power of being able to teach through song, through music, Lord, and in the same way, Lord, we thank you for uh, your message that was first given and sung to shepherds, Lord, that were oftentimes so lowly, and, and despite uh, how sinful we are, despite how uh, sometimes evil in nature we are or, or how hypocritical we are. Lord that you still choose to use us as your messengers, as your ambassadors, as the proclaimer of, of, of what you've done. Uh, let us not uh, let us not take that responsibility and just cast it aside. Lord, because it's it's you working in us despite our failings or our failures and our frailties that really declares your power or just like your power was so evidently seen as you coming as a baby and as an infant lord i pray leading into this week leading into the christmas season that we would keep our eyes focused on you lord and be proclaimers and heralds of you coming lord even if that's an invite to a little event that we're doing here lord challenge us, inspire us, move in us. But Lord, above everything, we just want to thank you for trusting us to be your salt and light, your hands and feet to a lost, hurting, and broken world. And so as we leave this place, will you go with us? Will you be before us, behind us, and all around us? And it's in your mighty, awesome, and powerful name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys so much for joining us. We will see you Wednesday night. Go in the grace of God. And if we don't see you, hope you have a Merry Christmas. Thank you for listening to this week's message from The Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegateway.church.